What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer, and you have just entered my Captain's Quarters, which is my weekly gaming update show where I discuss my favorite gaming news topics of the week, talk about what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, and issue a weekly relevant gaming-related decree. Now this week, I have another batch of Xbox-related news, as well as my thoughts and opinions on the announcements made at the Cyberpunk 2077 Night City Wire Episode 2 livestream. So let's dive right into the conversation. So I'm going to start the episode out this week, guys, with my thoughts and opinions on what was discussed at the Night City Wire Episode 2 for Cyberpunk 2077. Now, for those of you that may not know, Night City Wire is a live stream event that CD Projekt Red, the developer of Cyberpunk, uh, this is their second one, and they plan on doing one episode a month, every month, leading up to the release of Cyberpunk 2077 on what will hopefully be November 19th, 2020. So it looks like we probably have at least two more, maybe three right before launch to look forward to. I personally have thoroughly enjoyed them, uh, both episodes so far, and this episode I even enjoyed more than the last episode, and the reason why is the first thing that I'm going to cover that they went over, which were life paths. Now, if you didn't watch the episode, basically what this means, <clears throat> you start out the game, right, and you select your character, you create your character, well, part of that creation process is choosing a life path for your character. Now, there are three different ones. Uh, we'll start with Street Kid. Street Kid is basically your character grew up on the streets. They're very fluent with the lingo. They're involved and know all the different gangs and basically the underworld lifestyle of Night City. They are very, very involved and in understanding of how that culture works. The other is Corpo, which basically you don't feel comfortable in the streets of Night City. You don't feel comfortable in the desert wasteland of the Badlands. You only feel comfortable up in a high-rise building, in a boardroom, dishing out directions and surrounded by money and suits. That's pretty much how you make sure your lifestyle is maintained. But the third, which is my personal favorite currently right now, and the one that I am thinking that I'm going to select uh, when the time finally comes, is Nomad. And Nomad basically is you have lived your entire life out in the Badlands, which is the desert area around Night City. And there are a group of people that live out there and make their lives out in the Badlands. They're known as nomads. And essentially, you live off the land, and family is first, and there's just a lot of great stories and different things that you can do out in the Badlands. You're kind of battle-hardened, and you, you look out for each other, the other nomads, so to speak. Just the thought of it is what really stood out to me is the fact that, you know what, I, I really think that that appeals to me more than the other two in the sense that I kind of want to be able to build up to the excitement or the hype of getting to Night City, you know, as if I was putting myself in the position of being a nomad and like, wow, you know, maybe one day I'll get into Night City and see what the big city's all like. And just kind of doing missions and different stories and understanding the culture and whatnot out in the Badlands before I get to the city of Night City. So for right now, I personally think that the nomad life path uh, is the one that sticks out to me the most. So life paths, very, very interesting to me. And just yet one more 
very involved, uh, in-depth detail of this game that CD Projekt Red, uh, it, it just shows that they've put so much thought into every little thing that you're going to be able to do in this game. And I mean, there's only two more, possibly three episodes left to do of this show. And I can't even imagine they're going to be able to cover all the great things that are in this game. Uh, so I, there's just going to be so much that we're going to discover on our own as players. And I cannot wait. Now, another gameplay piece that they showed off was about the different weapons. Uh, there were three different types of weapons that they kind of focused on on this episode. Power, tech, and smart weapons. Power weapons are pretty much what you would think. Uh, you know, you got your heavy weapon like a shotgun and for close quarters combat and different types of shotguns, um, which kind of alludes to smart weapons per se. If you have smart, a smart shotgun, say there's a eight-barrel chamber on this smart shotgun, and it can heat sink eight different targets at the same time. So as the one developer, Pablo, said, uh, you can pretty much clear out a room uh, without any kind of hesitation or breaking a sweat, really. Uh, using that weapon. And then the other, as far as tech, uh, is really kind of like you're you're a cyberpunk, right? That's the name of the game. That's what you are in this. You are cybernetically augmented uh, somewhat within your body or have the option to do so, uh, as far as I understand it, as a player. And there are different augments that you can use. Kind of what reminded me of the Omniblade in the Mass Effect games. Uh, it looked like you could use different melee options where your arms or your forearms are kind of augmented to where they're kind of pop out as blades themselves and and those are kind of like the tech weapons that they were really referring to so definitely looks like a very very much uh different broad scope of weapon variety that is going to be available to us in the game and uh, a lot of different options uh, is the bottom line a lot of fun options and i, I can't wait to try out all of them to be honest with you it's, it's just going to be i can't even imagine how many hours i'm going to sink into this game guys uh, but the final piece that they really put a lot of focus and time on in this episode of Night City Wire was the music. Now, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows of Keanu Reeves' involvement with the game. And he is uh, playing the character of Johnny Silverhand, who I did not realize uh, didn't really resonate with me until this episode of Night City Wire. He is actually the lead singer of a band called Samurai. And the Samurai is basically... Uh, the futuristic homage to punk rock, uh, contemporary punk rock as we would think of it today. And uh, basically this portion of the episode focused around the real-life Swedish band that CD Projekt Red has uh, hired in order to write and, and create songs for the band of Samurai within the game world of cyberpunk. And to be honest with you, it was very interesting. Uh, the music sounds pretty cool. I uh, definitely look forward to checking it out. And it was just a pretty interesting insight into the process of how they create the music and, and what they are doing in order to make this world feel alive and real. And if you are interested in any of those songs to hear what they might sound like, they just announced on this episode that a fourth track, apparently there are already three music tracks that you could listen to on any of your music streaming services, uh, there is a fourth track they just released that you can listen to that is from the band Samurai. So definitely pretty cool stuff there. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed episode two of Night City Wire and can't wait for the third episode to see what they have in store for us next. So as far as the other piece of my news catch of the week this week, I wanted to talk about some Xbox stuff, guys. And 
The biggest thing coming out of this past week for me related to Xbox was xCloud and Game Pass Ultimate. So as of September 15th, which is uh, just, just over a short month away, uh, the xCloud service, which if you did not know, is Microsoft's streaming service where you can utilize any of the first-party games, Game Pass titles. There are specific titles right now that have been in beta for almost the last year. And you've been able to play them on your Android devices. Uh, and that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, it's their attempt, in my opinion, to have that option uh, for the Switch user, the person who's very big on portability. And uh, it's been, in, like I said, beta for almost a year now. Well, September 15th, it's coming out of beta. And it's going to be an official platform for the Xbox brand. And it's going to be part of Game Pass Ultimate, uh, which is only 15 bucks a month, guys. Uh, so I just want to put that out there and kind of reiterate that for 15 bucks a month, as of September 15th, what you are going to get for that $15, you are already, right? as of right now, you get a month of Xbox Live and all of its features and access to every perk that it may have, whether it's deals of gold or the free games of gold, as well as access to Game Pass, which is over 100 games that are right now just available for you to just download and try out if you want to for no extra cost. So now, as of September 15th, you're going to add the platform of xCloud to that. No extra charge, still 15 bucks. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And they haven't confirmed 100% that I've seen yet whether or not you're going to be able to play only the 100 plus or so titles on Game Pass or if it's going to be those titles plus other specific titles or not. So as of right now, I can guarantee and confirm that it is at least those 100 or so titles that are on Game Pass. You will have full access to those via the xCloud as of September 15th, which is still pretty amazing in my opinion because, I mean, let's be honest, the entire first party lineup of Microsoft uh, on the Xbox One and, and other consoles uh, generations are available on the Game Pass, as well as the fact that there's a, a lot of great third-party content on there. Uh, the Yakuza series comes to mind. But the bottom line is, for 15 bucks, you have access to all this, and that's amazing. Now, I know my friend of the show, uh, Linking Sponge, he's been on the beta program for xCloud since last year. Uh, he's thoroughly enjoyed it, You know, played his Xbox games on his break at work, uh, as well as in his car at certain points in time. Really, really cool. Now, I will say that they also confirmed it will be available on all Android devices as of the 15th. And I personally can't wait because for those phone buffs out there, uh, the Note 20 uh, Ultra is going to be available as of that time. And I'm hoping to get that. So to be able to be uh, play my Xbox games on the Note 20 Ultra um, as of the 15th of September is a pretty awesome proposition and something I can't wait uh, to try out. And during this announcement, uh, Microsoft released a trailer that I thought was very interesting because to me, it looked exactly like the launch trailer for the Switch, where you have different people that are sitting on a windowsill or sitting at the park or whatever the case may be, uh, playing you know, their different Xbox games on a tablet device or a cell phone or whatever the case may be. But it was also showing off the different peripherals that you can buy in order to still feel like you're actually playing uh, using the Xbox controller. So there's a lot of different options for you here in case you were wondering. There are different clips uh, that you can clip on to hold your phone and kind of angle the phone at the right kind of uh, positioning for your line of sight. And then you can clip that onto the top of your Xbox controller 
and use it that way. Or there is also what I thought was very interesting. There is one, it's the uh, Kishi brand. And to me, it looks just like Switch Joy-Cons, essentially. Uh, it's two side pieces that you put on either side of your phone or device. And there's also a back piece that snaps onto it. And essentially, you play horizontally as if you were holding the docking uh, piece of the Switch. It looks just like it to me. It's very interesting. Um, if you were interested in that style of play, it's currently $80 on Amazon for pre-order. And my personal favorite that I'll also mention here is 8-Bit Do SN30. Uh, it is their controller that, to me, looks just like a Super Nintendo controller, except it's a very sleek and sexy, shiny black, uh, and it's the Xbox controller uh, layout as far as the buttons and whatnot. And it comes with the device clip that clips into and is part of the controller as well. And it's just kind of a nice, compact, portable, more easily portable than, say, uh, your, your regular-sized Xbox controller. Um, it's just better for portability, in my opinion, at least just from the appearances of it. And it's only $45 and you get the clip and the controller. So for me right now, I have one of those pre-ordered. That is my option that I'm going with. And I am super stoked guys, because I cannot wait. I cannot wait to try out playing my Xbox games while I'm laying in bed in the last hour or so before I drift off to sleep and have to wake up and go to work and, you know, so on and so forth the next day. So definitely uh, a really cool uh, future to look forward to as far as that's concerned if you are interested in portability. Now, again, just to make sure I clarify that you guys are fully aware of everything that you'll need to take advantage of this, you're going to need a Game Pass Ultimate subscription, which, as I stated, is $15 a month. Uh, you're going to need access to Xbox Live. Uh, it also gives you the Game Pass. Uh, so outside of that, you're going to need a Wi-Fi connection. Um, so as long as you have a Game Pass Ultimate subscription that gives you access to all those previously mentioned uh, platforms and a Wi-Fi connection, you're good to go. Uh, you also need to download the Game Pass app, as far as I understand it, and you can access your game library through the Game Pass app. So definitely some really cool stuff there. As far as xCloud is concerned, so big announcements, in my opinion, from the Microsoft camp. Now, the other big thing that was Microsoft-related and Xbox-related news this past week was the fact that they are going to be uh, coming out with, and, sh and they already showed off, an updated Xbox store design. Now, some people had already mentioned before uh, and had talked about the comment that Microsoft had made previously when asked about you know the dashboard and the different layout of the Xbox Series X as compared to the Xbox One and how different would it be? And the Microsoft representative said, oh, well, it's going to look the same as it does on the one. And people were kind of like, huh, so that's kind of weird. You're not going to change it or make it look any different. Well, here we go. It's a play with words, in my opinion, because obviously between then and the release of the console, the Series X, you can have updates, right? And here's one of them. It's the store is completely getting overhauled and revamped and updated. Uh, it's going to be Available in beta, uh, it's actually already available in beta as of August 5th last week for some Xbox insiders. So some of you guys out there may have already taken a part of this beta process and are enjoying the newly redesigned store. Now, a lot of things that they've talked about that are going to be uh, part of this update. Um, basically, it's going to be faster. So the store itself is going to be more than twice as fast as the current store. 
Uh, it's going to launch in under two seconds, and the browsing is going to be much smoother and faster just in general. So that's definitely a plus. You're going to be able to view trailers in line while you search and browse, or you can turn the autoplay feature on for the most seamless experience is what Microsoft is saying. And you can also see what games your friends are playing. So that's pretty cool too, is if I'm in the Xbox store now, I can actually look and see what Linking Sponge or Logan Phoenix or whoever uh, my friends are, it, it will tell me that they've been playing these specific games. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, you can see discounts and offers at a glance. You don't have to go to a specific tab uh, to be able to seek them out. It's going to be easier, uh, fully redesigned navigation system. So the navigation is going to be easier for you. Uh, the filtering system is going to be easier to filter out your results that you're looking for. Uh, you're going to be able to easily now add updates uh, as far as the different games that you want to add to your wish list. Um, and the wish list itself is going to be updated. So that's going to be nice. Uh, one of the most excitable features for me is the updated shopping cart, which is going to make it easier to add and remove items from the cart, as well as see what's in it before and during a purchase. Because I don't know if you guys have experienced this or not, but there's many a time where it's just a, a grueling experience sometimes trying to go back and forth between the cart and figuring out, oh, what did I put in there? Is that in there? Why doesn't it show a quantity on there? All kinds of different things. So they completely revamped the shopping cart as well as also at the end of the day, making things safer for us all. And as far as that, basically you're gonna to have to be signed into your account before you can browse or do anything within the store. Uh, and as far as children's settings, for those of you that may have smaller kids on your consoles, you're gonna be able to filter those settings uh, and the way that they're applied to the children's accounts on the console. So say for instance, an eight-year-old, uh, they're not gonna be able anymore to see filters of products for a teenager, so on and so forth. So. A lot of brand new updates and, and things that they've done to implement um, a, a more cohesive, fresher, smoother experience in the Xbox store uh, based on feedback from players. And I think that's great. So all that sounds really well and good. I definitely look forward to it. And if you haven't seen it, just the screenshots of the way it looks, it just looks really sleek and sexy and fresh and clean and crisp. And it just looks really, really exciting. So I definitely can't wait to fully experience that. And I will let you know more as I know more on either xCloud, uh, additions of any games or anything outside of Game Pass, as well as any more updates via dashboard or store or anything related to Xbox or PlayStation. So that'll do it for this week's Catch of the Week. Now let's go check in and see what I've been playing during my summer of PlayStation and my Captain's Log. All right, guys, so here we are, and what have I been up to this past week during my summer of PlayStation? PlayStation. Well, I have continued to play two main games that I've been kind of bouncing back and forth between, and the first of which I will go over with you is MLB The Show 19. So I think I told you guys the last time when discussing my play of this game, how frustrated I was and where I had gotten to in my road to the show mode and I was no longer at least for the near future going to be playing that mode so I'd wanted to try out the March to October mode which had been recommended to me by numerous people and I decided to go ahead and give it a shot so March to October for those of you that may not know essentially you choose the team that you want to play as and from the beginning of the season until October when the playoffs and World Series and all that goes down the, the whole purpose of this is to play key moments in specific games throughout the course of the season 
And basically, you want to do well. And if you don't perform specific scenarios or tasks positively, then it could put your team on a cold streak and you may not even make it to the playoffs. So the whole purpose is, hey, man, you want to keep uh, being successful with these different scenarios that are being asked of you to complete if you want to get to the World Series ultimately. So for me, my favorite team, baseball always has, always will be the Atlanta Braves. And so I start out my March to October. There's a really cool live action kind of recap of the previous season of the Braves. Uh, it was pretty awesome and just kind of cool to look back on and see that season and remember that season because they did great the season they were recapping. So the bottom line is you start out in the beginning of the season and I only played two different scenarios here, uh, two different games. Now, the first game, it starts me out, and I'm sitting there, and I'm playing. Uh, it's the fifth inning, right? Going to the fifth inning, and all I have to do is win the game. It's opening day. I'm playing the Phillies, ironically, in Philly. I live in Philly, so that's where the irony comes from. Uh, being a Braves fan, living in Philly, and uh, yeah. So bottom line is, opening day, Braves versus Phillies. They start me out in the fifth inning, and the Braves are up 2 nothing. All I got to do is close out the game, the back half of the game. Well, guys, I get to the bottom of the seventh inning, and the Phillies end up tying the game. I'm unable to score in the top of the fifth, sixth, or seventh. We get to the bottom of the seventh, the Phillies score and tie, seven, or two all. So going to the top of the eighth inning, all right, man, I got to get me at least a run and then hold them for the next two innings. Whatever. However I can pull out this win, I got to get this win. It's opening day. Well, bottom line is, and the bottom of the eighth inning, uh, after scoring zero in the top of the eighth, would you guys believe that the Phillies load the bases and ultimately hit a grand slam? So now I am down six to two. I finally get them <laughs> all, all three outs in the inning. And here we go in the top of the ninth. And I have three outs of an opportunity to get at least four runs to tie the game. Well, bottom line is, guys, at the end of the day, I failed. I ended up scoring two runs, but it was obviously not enough to end up uh, winning the game. So I failed my very first scenario in March to October. Okay, no big deal. That's all right. You know, even the best teams, best players, best scenarios, you know, sometimes you can't win them all, right? So uh, move on from that scenario. I go right to the next one. Now, the second scenario, it starts me out in the seventh inning. I'm, I'm in the top of the seventh. We're playing in Atlanta. My team is been on a cold streak because I failed the first scenario. So going into this game, you know, the game tells me, hey, finish out this pitcher's no hitter to set your team on fire. Okay, cool. Let's do it, man. You guys start me out in the bottom of the seventh. I just got to go through the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Uh, well, the, the top of the seventh, excuse me, the top of the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Let's get these nine outs and go home. Well, I get through the top of the seventh, no problem. And you get to the top of the eighth. I get one out down, and guess what? The next batter comes up, and he launches a homer. Ruins the no-hitter for my pitcher. And ultimately, I end up losing the game, which puts my team on a continued cold streak. So I have not been successful so far in my two games of March to October. But it's still very early in the season, I will say that. I did enjoy the concept of it. And I did think it was cool. And it's something I'll definitely continue to play around with. Uh, but since my last captain's quarters, that was all I had done with MLB, the, uh, the show 19. And the reason why guys is because I've been on vacation for this past week. And I made it a point to myself to say, look, 
I am 100% devoting all of my gaming time, however much that may be this week, to Ghost of Tsushima. Guys, I've talked about it before. I'm sure you've played it by now. It is an absolutely phenomenal experience. I am so in love with it. Uh, my wife has started playing it, and she is in love with it. It's been a great conversation piece between her and I, uh, discussing different scenarios and different story beats and things that we both enjoy, sometimes one more than the other, and, and vice versa. It's just been a great experience. So what I've done this past week is I've, I was able to get 21 hours played into the game, and... Uh, Made some good progress. Uh, for perspective, I hit the 40-hour mark overall uh, as far as time overall played and put into Ghost of Tsushima. And at the end of 40 hours, I was able to have made it to the second territory of Tsushima Island. Now, for those of you that may have not played the game yet, the island of Tsushima is gigantic, and it is split up into essentially three different territories and you have to basically work your way from south to north and go and cross the border into the next area, so on and so forth. So there's three different pieces of the pie, so to speak. Well, I finally, uh, yesterday actually, was able to cross over into the second portion of that pie. And I will say there was a few pockets of areas in the first territory that I have to go back and kind of defog the map, as I say. Uh, and there were a few different areas of liberation that needed to be done that don't unlock until after you go to the second area of Tsushima Island. So that's what I'm doing now is trying to mop up what was left of that first territory of Tsushima Island. Uh, and I just got to say, it's just been such a great experience. And I got a couple of key things that jumped out at me this week that I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, first and foremost, being a mission that, I mean... They, they got to know the show exists, right? My show, Lost at Sea, Lost at Sea Gaming. Because, I mean, the name of the mission was Lost at Sea. So I couldn't help but be really uh, amused by that and when that popped up on my screen as far as a new mission to do. And it was actually a really cool mission. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. Outside of the fact that it was called Lost at Sea, it still was actually pretty decent. Uh, you have to go out to in the middle of the sea, and there's a couple of Mongol ships that are out there. And it was a really, really cool experience. Um, I love it when everything is stealth focused because that's the way I play anyways. And essentially think about this. You take a rowboat with a character out to these ships and there's two of them that are floating side by side out in the sea. And you stealthily, quietly have to take your way, uh, take out each enemy uh, across the path that you come. As you go from one ship to the next, and there are a few different hostages that you're trying to rescue. Uh, just, just really, really cool. And the way that there's all these different options available to you, aerial assassinations, walk right up to you, assassinations, distraction techniques, all these different things that, yeah, we've used before in other games too, uh, for sure, but I just, I love it uh, and, and those kinds of games uh, when you can utilize all those different tools at your disposal to be successful. So that Lost at Sea mission I thought was really cool. Uh, there was another one, and I won't go into too many details about this one, but essentially you're told to follow the blue flowers. And I just thought it was done really well. Uh, it was a really cool kind of a mystery behind this story. Um, it's a, a story and a mission that you get from one of the musicians uh, that are spread throughout the game world. And if you've played the game, you know what I'm referring to. There are musicians that kind of they tell you a story uh, around a campfire. And you see this little really cool uh, hand-drawn kind of old school as if you would see the art on an old ancient uh, Japanese scroll. 
uh, you see it played out as the musician is explaining and telling you the story. And then you basically go and try to seek out this artifact related to that story. And in this specific quest, it was follow the blue flowers. And that's all I'm going to say. It was just really laid out really well. And it was done over a very large geographical stretch of location. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, and the ultimate payoff to it, it, it was just, it was a really, really cool scenario is all I'll say. So that was great. Had a lot of fun with that. And uh, one other thing that I'll say about Ghost of Tsushima this past week, you know, and Prince of Persia, Uncharted, uh, even Assassin's Creed recently in, in recent years, there's different things what I like to call platforming puzzles where you have larger area uh, environments where there's a lot of platforming. Um, you know, scaling cliffs and, and jumping across tree using tree branches and uh, things of that nature ultimately to get to a destination. And it's usually at great heights over or over uh, perilous, uh, you know, locations underneath you. And uh, th this was no different. There was a specific shrine and usually there uh, the shrines throughout the course of the game are you usually have to do these kinds of platforming puzzles to get to them. But the one specifically that I did was on the coastline and it was just really cool the way that it was done and laid out. And I thought it was great. Uh, the platforming was, was perfectly spaced out and really well done. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So uh, that was pretty much what I've been up to as far as my captain's log this past week. But I know you guys are dying to know how I'm doing in my PlayStation trophy level progress. So let's go see where I am at with it. So guys, after playing MLB and quite a bit of Ghost of Tsushima, ultimately Ghost of Tsushima did push me over that trophy level nine mark. If you remember in the last episode, I was right there at the cusp of trophy level nine and uh, Ghost of Tsushima, I've gotten quite a few trophies in my progress this past week and it has put me up to a trophy level nine uh, 4% completion on my way to trophy level 10, which if you have not listened to any recent episodes to know this, that is my ultimate goal for summer, my summer of PlayStation is by the end of it all, I would like to be at trophy level 10. Uh, you know, I've still got plenty of ghost of Tsushima to play through. I want to play through Yakuza Kiwami as well as medieval, the remake that I have sitting there. I don't know if I'll be able to get a trophy level 10 with those three, but if not, I'm going to have to make sure I find a way to get to trophy level 10 uh, because I, that is my ultimate goal, guys, is to go into PlayStation 5 at trophy level 10. So that'll do it for this week's Captain's Log. Now I have a few tips for you guys in the form of some buried treasure for Ghost of Tsushima. So guys, it's no secret. I just so much enjoyed every second of my Ghost of Tsushima playtime this past week. Got a couple of cool little things for you guys to point out to you. And these are some, some of these things maybe you guys already know. Maybe you're like, ah, come on, guy. Like, this is kind of obvious. You know, we, we noticed this right away. Well, I would just ask that, hey, uh, I am not you. And, uh, you know, so everybody doesn't necessarily pick up on things as quickly as others, right? Um, so in case you haven't seen or noticed these things, just a couple things for you guys to be aware of. Uh, you know, and as I said before in the in the episode, you know, conversations with my wife about this game, uh, some of these things she knew, some of these things she didn't. So it could be the same for you guys. So first up, anytime you are near a item of importance, whether it's an artifact or a hidden item, look out for a green firefly that's going to be buzzing and 
rapidly, the closer it gets to an item of importance, uh, flashing its little bulb green. A green firefly. I never noticed this green firefly. I'm sitting there playing all these hours, and just a few days ago, for the first time, I realized, wait a minute, let me... This guy's actually trying to show me something. And there are other portions of the game where you can follow birds uh, that take you to areas of importance, usually uh, different shrines or bamboo strikes or whatever the case may be. Fox dens, you have to trail the fox uh, to take you to the shrine to pay honor at the shrine. But I didn't realize this little green firefly was also trying to help you out and show you where these artifacts or items of importance are. So keep an eye out anytime you're going through, especially uh, different Mongol camps. Uh, a lot of times they'll point out to you different Mongol records or Mongol artifacts. So just definitely keep an eye out for that green firefly. Another thing I would say is I'd recommend that you change armor often, depending on what you're doing. And don't be afraid to switch your armor on the fly. Now, what I mean is, Say you know you're going into a major battle, right? You probably want to put on the highest defensive armor that you possibly have at your disposal, which for the majority of the beginning of the game is the Adachi Clan armor. And if you have that leveled up, I mean, it's actually very good at deflecting and absorbing a lot of damage. And it's it's best used for a big kind of a brawl type of a, a fight scenario. Um, there's other armors that are more focused around stealth or more focused about hey, you're an archer, you're staying in the distance, you don't need big heavy armor blocking, you know, covering every you know, section of your body. Uh, so just keep an eye on that. And even if it's not even relevant to what you're doing in the game world, you just want to... So for instance, me, there's the traveler armor, right? And the traveler armor, the more you upgrade it, the wider the radius it defogs the map for you, as well as the wider radius that it'll start the controller vibrating to let you know there's an artifact or something of importance near you. So if I know I'm just going around defogging the map, I'll throw on that armor and just wear that uh, as I'm searching around. But if I get into a big scuffle and there's a big group battle, you can immediately switch into a different type of armor, say that clan Adachi armor, and you have your extra powerful protection uh, in the middle of the fight, then you can just switch back to it right afterwards. Things of that nature. So just letting you just putting it out there. It's okay. You know, you don't have to feel like, oh man, I've, I've got to wear just this one armor. That was one thing that I was doing to myself uh, for a little while. And I was like, you know what? I'll share this with the listeners. Uh, or also don't feel like you have to max out the armor just because you have the supplies to max it out or to upgrade the armor. Because realistically, if you're not going to use the armor that often, or if it's just in specific scenarios, why not maybe hold that supplies for other things that you may actually utilize uh, or benefit from using those upgrades? Uh, and then the other thing is, I just want to say, this is something I just stumbled upon the other day. When you're in the uh, gear menu and you're looking at your different uh, armors and hats and all the different things that you can customize Jin with, there is an option there where I'm sure you've seen you can use the D-pad to go left to right and choose a different die color or in design for your armor. Uh, but I also had not noticed this until the other day, and it's not like this on every armor. So just keep an eye out for it. On that same bottom right section where you can look and use left or right on the D-pad to change the die color, you can also press triangle on certain armor sets in order to change the aesthetic of that armor set. So again, say with the Adachi clan armor, you have these big giant shoulder pads and uh, different things all over your chest and, and forearms. Well, you press triangle, it removes those shoulder pads and the forearm 
uh, armor, and now Jen's got his sleeves rolled up, black gloves, no shoulder pads. Yeah, it's just it looks really cool to be honest with you. So a lot of different visually aesthetic uh, changes that can be made with that triangular option. Uh, so just something right there for you to play around with if you maybe don't like the big bulky shoulder pads or whatever the case may be. Just putting it out there, keep an eye over there on that bottom right hand corner of the screen to see if you do have that option for those visual changes. So that'll do it for this week's Buried Treasure. Now let's go check in and see what my captain's decree is this week. So guys, this week, probably one of the biggest things that was talked about, uh, different uh, voting and uh, surveys and polls and stuff put out there online that I saw, and a topic of conversation that was real big between myself and, and some close friends of mine as well. The Spider-Man character as a PS5 exclusive in Avengers. It was a very big point of contention this past week, in my opinion, and it's something that I wanted to talk about in my gaming uh, captain's decree this week. So my decree is, should console content exclusives be a thing? My answer is no. And the reason I say that is ultimately, I, I feel like I feel like we're past the days of trying to entice people in that way. Uh, I can definitely still get behind console game exclusives as far as a full-on gaming experience. Like, say, for instance, if we're using Spider-Man in this scenario, think about the PS4 exclusive game, Spider-Man. Okay, cool. It's only on PS4. Now, do I think that that's cool that a character as widely regarded as Spider-Man should be limited to one console? No, I don't think that that's fair either. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, hey, look, Insomniac was the developer that was approached uh, and given full reign by Marvel to choose whatever character they wanted. They chose Spider-Man. The rest is history. I get it. Sony put out money for it. I get it. Uh, but when you come to something like a multi-platform game that's, say, the Avengers, which is coming out soon, to have a multi-platform game go back to the days of, I, I think of Soul Calibur. I don't know if you guys remember, but Soul Calibur, I can't remember which number now, but it was Soul Calibur back maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago. They had Yoda as an exclusive playable character on the Xbox and Darth Vader as an exclusive playable character on PlayStation 3. Now, at the time, it was kind of cool, but still, what if you were a PlayStation owner but loved Yoda, you couldn't play as Yoda? You know, those kinds of things. Uh, I feel like those days are behind us. And... You know, when you have a multi-platform game that releases on both consoles, for instance, in this case, or even multi-platform, meaning, hey, if there's Stadia and Switch versions of the Avengers as well, nobody but PlayStation gets Spider-Man? Uh, and I know it was long rumored that the PS4 Spider-Man game universe was going to be the same universe that the Avengers takes place in, despite being made by a different developer. But at the same time, I still feel like, man, you know, there's... Spider-Man fans are everywhere, you know, and I could get it if the Avengers was exclusive to PlayStation. Okay, then it would make sense. But to limit your fan base, I don't think that's fair to the consumer at the end of the day. Um, again, if it was a uh, platform-specific um, exclusive game, i.e. the Avengers, and obviously you get Spider-Man, okay, whatever. But to have the game also released on Xbox and then only have the character available on PlayStation, I don't know, I get it, it's, it's business. I, I get it, guys, I, I do. But at the same time, 
Um, I don't know. I feel like it's dirty business and, and not in the best interest of the consumer at the end of the day. Now, is it something that I'm going to lose sleep over or be, you know, highly, highly upset over going forward and, and be, uh, woe is me when the game comes out and I can't play a Spider-Man? No. Uh, but just in general, as my opinion, uh, do I think that that uh, exclusive content uh, to consoles being a thing, do I think that should be a thing? No, I do not. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by reaching out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com or on social media at Instagram at lostatseagaming or on Twitter at lostatseagamin, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.